You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 20, part two of two. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com or on iTunes. In part two of this episode where we interview Lisa Reed, we pick up where we left off when I asked Lisa the question, what are some of the major things a business needs to get straight first before spending a dollar on advertising, marketing, websites, etc.? Here's Lisa. I guess it depends on how much of an investment they're looking at. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly drive people that have the new best great idea that they're actually looking at sinking 100000 into. I drive them into the Curtain Ignition Program in WA that's run once a year because it's it's a really beautiful week to test whether your idea is going to work. Um, it's, a, it's a test tube week basically for business ideas. Um, in terms of people that are looking at committing a smaller amount of money, Ed, it's such a hard one. Usually by the time I talk to people, they're committed and, and most of them have sold a house and, yeah. you know, put put $250,000 into something and they're six months down the track. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of it, – it, everybody's a bit different, but what I tend to find is that and, – and this is – what I see so this is my observation and it might not test the same across Australia but in WA what I tend to see is there's a lot of females that put a lot of money into marketing without actually testing if there's a demand Mm. and I see (laughs) and I see shellers put a lot of money into products or services before they actually test there's a demand and they have no marketing so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Very <laughs> seen, seen that yeah. too many times. I mean, I just had someone who came through, they've spent $100,000 on a website and an app. Um, and this, this is a female. And they don't now have like zero money for marketing. Not, not a cracker. Oh. Yeah. Mm. And it's basically, it's just going to sit there now doing nothing because nothing was planned in terms of, okay, how are we going to market this thing once we've created this monster? And uh, now it's a hundred grand that's spent not doing anything. I think that's the most important question. You've just hit on it there. So, you know, when we're talking about growing businesses, the most important thing is your marketing reach. Yeah. So Mm. if there's a demand for a product or a service, then you need to work on the most effective way of increasing your reach in the market space you choose to operate in as quickly as you, as you can. So there's um, a fabulous researcher and I love his research work. He is in, I think it's the University of South Australia. His name's Byron Sharp. And I've been reading a lot of his stuff the last couple of years. He um, is one of the only marketing researchers that has long longitude studies, so over like 10 or so years with major companies. And a lot of his work um, basically suggests that one of the only measures we should focus on is reach because 
frequency, depending on a product or service, doesn't change too much. So spending a lot of money on loyalty is not going to change frequency. So it's pretty much all about reach. And and that's what I teach people. So And you have to have a budget to get reach, right? Yeah. If well, you don't get reach, you've got no one. Yeah. Well, we talked about, me and Ed have talked about before, and one concept that I use to explain to customers is you need to understand the, how the market is, how the customers work, and you, you know, you need to understand whether they have active demand for your product and you need a way to capture that demand, whether they're even aware of it. So if they're not aware of it, you need to create that awareness and then you have to actually create the demand. So, you know, these are, everyone assumes that the big idea and, you know, customers will just come, but there's yeah. a lot of, like I said before, like when I first started working with you, it was really a light bulb moment that business really is a science and a set of best practices. And then there's a little bit of art on, on top of that. But, you know, if you can't, to a certain extent, check the boxes, then no matter how good the idea is, it's, you know, you're not going to be the next Facebook if it doesn't meet these certain criteria. Um, I went through a phase, it must have been two years ago now, where in the space of a few weeks, I had a bunch of different people call me and they were ready, you know, they had 20, 50 grand to spend on, on this new great big idea. And it was, you know, it was so easy to poke holes in it. You asked a couple of questions and it was pretty clear they've they had a great idea, you know, that's good, but they hadn't really thought it out. And I have this um, this article on my website called Version 0.1 that it's really all about, you know, it's you know, stuff that's talked about in the Lean Startup book that you, you need to test this idea. If you can't sell the idea to, you know, one person or five people in person without needing a website and apps and all this sort of stuff, you know, it's just not going to work. So, yeah, yeah spot very, on. Absolutely. Spot on. Yeah, absolutely spot on. So, um Gee, Brendan, and that comes- you're so, mate, he, he consistently impresses me, Lisa. And it's obvious that Brendan has come from the school of Lisa because it's true. He's he's a very. I learned a lot from this young man. I, I'm amazed at the retention. I'm yeah, so impressed. I, honestly, it set me on a path that since then I have devoured every business book I can get my hands on because I realised that. You know, if you want to be successful, like you said, it, it really is the business is limited by the business owner. So, you know, yep. that's that's one thing. That, you know, there's so many things you can't control in business, but that's one thing I can control is my own learning and my own growth. So, yeah. you know, that was yeah. Like like I said, that was like one of the turning points of my life is sitting down on that first consult and like, wow, there is so much I don't know, and there is you know so much of this is just logic and common sense that get so wrapped up in the emotions of a fantastic idea and how good is this and my five friends tell me it's such a good idea but you know it just doesn't stack up so <laughs> yeah i love it. yeah yeah the old five I, friends <laughs> i reckon one of the benefits you guys have in terms of working with people is is a um you know the the ability to use data and that's something that in the last couple of years has just been you know, almost a magic additive to the black and white business formula for me. You know, the fact that you can test something online to see whether there's a demand, look at the data and say yes or no, it's it's going to work. That's, you know, we couldn't do that 10 years ago. We could only do that in shopping centre, you know, uh, test runs. So that's massively changed too. So it's it's not hard to test because that data is available. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. never been, like in some ways it's never been 
easier to get start a business and test an idea than it is today because you can use the tools and see if it's going to work. You can turn something on today of Facebook ads or something and see, you know, what real people think of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very true. I mean, with all the different marketing tools we have available, like AdWords and Facebook ads and email marketing, <clears throat> email marketing and remarketing and all the other marketings. Um, it's <laughs> pretty damn amazing. We can tap into something in five minutes and find answers mm. out and all the research tools that are available to look into your marketplace. So there's really no excuse not to do it. It's typically because people are just too gung-ho and they're rushing in and not thinking and they're all excited by their idea and they they don't actually spend the time to do the research. So And that's where they typically will come unstuck. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and we're using data internally a lot too. So data's been really helpful for the last, well, you know, probably three to five years externally looking at marketing, but using it internally is incredibly helpful too. You get to see some amazing trends just from, you know, the collection of data like timesheets and, you know, mm. um, even employee, you know, survey results if, if they're run you know, more frequently than one, once a year, it, it, there's some great data that helps you grow businesses internally too. So I'll, I'm loving data at the moment. I, I think that's probably my tendency because I'm an accountant too. Matt always tells me that that is the case because I'm data, data, data. <laughs> this is what the data is telling me. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I'd agree. I'd agree. Could be careful though the interpretation of the data too. Yeah, you do. You do. One. It's just a guide, right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. still still gotta use your uh, your knowledge. Yeah. Too yeah. But we talk about this all the time, Ed. Like so many business owners, they want more hits on their website. They want to harangue higher in Google, but they haven't looked at the data. They haven't looked at Google Analytics. They're you know the number one source of data for their website. You know, often they are getting enough traffic, and that's not the problem. They don't need to rank any higher on Google. So. Yeah, they just don't have any conversion happening on their website. Yeah, so, absolutely. So what else can we ask the lovely Lisa? How long, how long do we have you for, Lisa? Well, I'm, I'm good for at least another 40 minutes. I've got a client taking me out to lunch today, which is very exciting. Awesome. That's good. That's what all clients are supposed to do. I only <laughs> one, one of the prerequisites for any of our clients is do they agree to take me out to lunch on at least a quarterly basis? And if they say no to that, I'm not interested in working with them. So, so just a note. Ed, I've never had that as a rule. Can I ask you that? Absolutely. Go for, awesome. go for it. Go for it. And any of my clients who are listening to this podcast, just remember that, okay? You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Okay, let's uh, so okay, let's say someone's running a business. They're having, or you know, when should someone look at using a, a business consultant or an external consultant and that kind of advisory? Because there's a difference between business advisory, advisory, and business growth, right? They're two separate things, really. Yeah. Look, probably in in the general sense, advisory can be growth but what we tend to do is we tend to say base level advice is advisory um, and then you'll speak to somebody that's probably more well healed about growth and succession planning and setting up a saleable business um, that's more consulting um, from a, a practical perspective you know for me it's the same thing really uh, I, I I provide private advisory to business owners. I 
um, coach them, I mentor them. Um, we also provide consulting services, you know, on a project basis to improve their business. When you think about, you know, should I actually contact someone? Honestly, I believe if you have never run a business, then from the first point you have that thought, you should actually find someone, seek someone out and set up a relationship so you actually have someone to walk you through the first stage of that business life cycle. So I, for me, it's a proactive decision. It's a bit like um, seeing your GP or seeing your naturopath or seeing your chiropractor. Um, I completely believe that if you're setting up a business, then you should see somebody because um, setting up a business is a, is a huge amount of work. Mm. You, sh- you should be talking to somebody at least once a month. Um, and it might only be for two hours, but you have your list of questions ready and you provide those in advance so the person can consider them. So you get full value for, for two hours. And you can get advisory services through a lot of the, the government um, entities. So like in Perth, there's the SBDC and the small business centres. Um, in other states, it'll be the same. Yeah. And then you can also uh, seek, you know, business coaches or business consultants Um and, and really, for me, it's finding the right person that you can work with. So it's all about relationships. You know, most people in the space are going to have experience. Usually, you want the experience to be relevant to the business that you're starting. Um, and then it's how you get along with them because you really want a long-term relationship with this person. And, and each person can take you through a different phase. So you might work with someone in startup mode and then you might swap to work with someone in growth mode. Um, I tend to work with people in growth mode and then um, maturity sale mode. So I do a lot of uh, work with people that are looking at selling their businesses and typically Mm -hmm. work with them for two to three years before they sell. So we set up a saleable business. Um, and I also do a lot of growth work too. So, you know, probably for me, it's 50-50. Um, most of the startups are, are catered pretty well through the, the government groups. And there's some, there's some really good advisors in the government entities. You just need to seek them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some good places to go to. I mean, particularly well, I know in Perth, there's uh, Space Cube. They've got a startup community there. Space Cube is a sort of open workspace, shared workspace uh, system that's been around for a few years um, that we yeah. we know Brody who started that um, so there's lots of places you can go to get that sort of support one of the books I'm actually reading now because I mean that's a simple place to start there's some of there's some fantastic books out there to read to get you started and I think one of the best ones that I've read is it's called Personal MBA don't know whether you've read that one uh, guys I by, have actually yeah by Carl, um, sorry John Kaufman fantastic book um, the website's personalmba.com. A fantastic, really, really good book. And he has a very good uh, listing of other business books to read as well. So a good good selection. Um, if you're in startup mode, I love The Lean Startup by Eric Fries. Yes. That's one of my that favourites. That is a great book, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's that. you're right, Ed. That book is, has a great list of references. A couple that um, it depends on what you you're looking at, but a lot of the 
the people that I work with that are in growth phase, we do a lot around um, strategy and so basically brand strategy and marketing plan. And a lot of people, when you grow a business, aren't really clear about what their brand is and what position they have in the market and how to communicate that to um, potential ideal clients. And so we do a lot of work on that. And and usually, you know, you, you could be focused on that from somewhere to three to like 12 months. And so the books that I love that help people in that space are um, Delivering Happiness by Tony Say and um, Peak by Chip Connolly. And those two guys have absolutely nailed um, positioning and culture. And the difference with how they talk about it is that it's all about how the client perceives the business. It's not about how the business owner wants the business to be perceived. And that it's a a slight... um, change in focus but it's massive when it comes to brand strategy and marketing so they're two great books yeah. i think there's and a my- people confuse brand they think about the logos and the colors but it really is how the market perceives you really that's what brand is like that's the the colors and logos yeah. it doesn't matter really you've got the end of the day. <laughs> that was a red rag it's- to a bull there uh brendan it's how the clients interact with the business for me. You know, the brand is more about um, the touch point, the sensory experience than it is really about the logo. Brendan, you're completely mm. right. And and no disrespect to any brand designers <laughs> <laughs> because they do an amazing job. But it, it's part of a brand identity. It really is. And for me, how we... Um, bring a brand to life through people, that's really the brand strategy. So many quotable things here, bringing a brand to life through people. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to set a separate side, set aside a separate book. Um, Do you know, I have to give you guys another reference. There's a couple of awesome guys who you'll love. They're very, very quirky. Brendan and Ed? No, oh, sorry. <laughs> Brendan and Ed. Oh, 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 sorry. I thought you were talking about us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's a group called uh, Partners in Spade that are in New York that are um, basically brand strategists or brand consultants. And they're leading the way at the moment in terms of um, bringing brands to life. So have you heard of Kate Spade? No. Haven't. No. Nope. Okay. You'll have to look that up. We will. We'll add that to the, the show fe- notes, won't we, Brendan? Females, the females listening will have heard. Sorry, anyway, say that again? The females listening will have heard of Kate Spade. Kate Spade. <laughs> yeah. This, these guys are um, very talented guys. They've got a little boutique um, agency in New York and they pretty much do their own thing. They're amazing at what they do. So if you Google and have a look at some of their projects... Um, what they do is pretty much what I teach and I'd never seen anybody do it as well as what I talk about uh, and, and I've only actually become aware of them probably in the last two years but, yeah, they're very cool. Yeah. Hmm. So gr- great example of bringing a brand to life. Cool. Oh, I have one question I didn't ask you when we are talking about finances and stuff. One of the other things that you taught me about which I know a lot of business owners or businesses have problems with. You had a rule 
we have a rule that the, the books need to be up to date within seven days because a lot of, you know, tying it back into, you know, managing the business and cash flow and cash flow forecasts and stuff are totally useless if the data, you know, if things aren't up to date. So is that still the case? Is that still your the ideal scenario? You're making me feel bad. You know what? I've actually just moved a bookkeeper on, an accountant on in a business because the books went up to date each week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ruthless. It has to be that way because otherwise the business owner can't see where they are. Yeah. And cash flow is just so crucial. You know, even if you're making healthy profits, you need to know where you're at. And for me, the best day for getting the books up to date is a Friday or a Monday. So right at yeah. the beginning of the week, a, a business owner has an idea of where they're heading. Yeah. Yeah. That's my deal. So I do. I used to do mine on Friday, but then I switched to Thursday. So I have one day in case we have a problem or uh, I have a bookkeeper, but I do an hour a week of, you know, looking at things. And I also do, as part of my finance stuff, I check out backups and some of the other mission critical things in the business because I, you know, some of the things like backups, I would count as important as the financials. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a mistake I made early on in the last business that the financials went up to date. So you've no idea what's going on. Have a growing and a growing business will just through chew through cash like nobody's business and also the not all growth is good was one of the things I learned as well because in our business we had explosive growth that was totally uncontrolled which is very very different from the type of growth that you talk about which is controlled strategic growth right yeah yeah and those financials are really important as part of that yeah you're spot on and I don't think there's ever a period in business where you cannot have your books up to date every week for me it's just a black and white rule yeah yeah, and it also means, you know, for business owners and, and, you know, management teams, some of the bigger businesses I work with, it means that there's just a discipline that you have to, you know, have your receipts in. <laughs> you know, they're scanned, ready to be used by the bookkeeper or referred, and, and they have to be there because otherwise the books can't be kept up to date. So that works really well for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hear some horror stories from our bookkeeper when she's here. Um, what goes oh, on in other businesses and I'm, I go seriously I mean sometimes I think I'm slack because you know I, I, I may be a couple of weeks behind or something or you know but everything's always paid on time and Bass is always paid on time and all that sort of stuff but she's saying she's got some you know clients that are two years behind you know I'm going yeah. and there's money to pay the Bass as well that's the other important one yeah it I'll tell you a horror story. I had one person that approached us to help them 13 years behind. Oh, <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. 13 years. And I know. Of unpaid stats. Unsubmitted tax returns and un accounted for books I, I honestly the only way you can get somebody up to date like that is to take their bank statements and just code off a bank statement and I've, I've done that before for someone that's been out for three years but 13 years and that this is when I had a bookkeeping practice so this is oh <laughs> three or four years ago God. I pretty when the legislation changed which meant that the requirement for bookkeepers was upgraded we got this whole inflow of clients from tax accountants that tax accountants didn't want to deal with them and so we just started getting all these referrals and it was a nightmare of six months which precipitated me 
selling the bookkeeping part of the business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this poor lady, I. I we honest we my heart went to her but we weren't in a position to actually help I, the, the worst I think I've I've seen and we've helped was six years uh, but yeah it's it's tough and so when you get that far behind it, it's just a painful process so it ain't worth getting one bass behind no how do they even do I can't even understand how they actually get away with that amount of time um, not putting in their books and they're bad. I don't understand how that could actually even happen. The tax, the tax office only appears, the system, this is inside knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> the system doesn't appear to trigger unless you have an, a bass out of sequence. So if you submit one bass but you'd forgotten the earlier bass, hmm, that's what it appears to be. Right. I think that might be changing their... Um, their sensitivities at the moment, though, they're pretty tough. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And one thing that, like, there was the other thing that I learned early on is you actually need to be able to read a P&L. So you, you taught, taught me that the numbers, the static numbers are great, but it's really the trends we need to be looking at. And this is what we use online marketing as well, that the numbers mean nothing by themselves. Like a set of numbers actually means nothing without the trend over time. So I think, you know, as... One of the first things, you know, someone listening to this, if you cannot read a P&L and a balance sheet, you need to learn that and you need to understand the trends from one week or one month to the next because that was, you know, if you, you used to say or you still say that, you know, the numbers tell a story and that was one of the first things that I focused on learning is now I can pick up any business, a friend's business, I can look at P&L and I can go, yep, I can see exactly where the problems are here and you can look at a balance sheet and you're like, yeah, look at this number down the bottom, that's that's not right, something's wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, and most small business owners don't know how to read those numbers. No, well, this yeah. was this was the question. Have... Sorry, Lisa, I was just saying this is the question okay. I asked my client yesterday because I was trying to get down to some nitty-gritty and we were, we were talking about setting up some email marketing processes and, and it got down to the conversation about numbers and, and I was asking him, well, you know, do you know what your sales figures are for the last month? Oh, no. Um, do you know what your, what your profit is? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, do you know? And like all these basic rudimentary questions that you should know, he just wasn't even close to knowing. And it was really oh, quite okay. horrific. So anyway, so you go ahead. Bless. You know, I always feel for people like that. And honestly, I think it's because nobody's held them accountable. Mm. I really, I, I believe business owners are responsible. And as, you know, consultants, we are accountable if we're working with them to make sure they know that stuff it's it's pretty basic yeah if if a business owner can't tell me their income and their gross profit and their net profit from last month it's a bit of an issue Mm. yeah and look most of them will have a rough feel but if you've got no idea it definitely says you're not looking at your financials yeah. We're, we're so lucky now because there's so many tools that we can use. So we've always used, you know, the basic accounting packages. So most of my clients that are um, not on enterprise systems have, so any of the s- small businesses, so pretty much anybody that's sort of under probably two mil have moved to zero, which is just an awesome package. And most of the bigger guys are still... Um, 
stuck on server packages. And I say stuck because I think at some point there'll be better cloud solutions, but um, at the moment they're stuck. But we've always done, uh, you know, trends. We've done uh, basically visual dashboards in Excel, but now there's some awesome um, add-ons that you can actually attach to your accounting package that we use. So um, that might be worth mentioning. There's a couple that I would recommend. There's uh, one that we use for cash flow for uh, forecasting, which is called um, Calxa, which is C-A-L-X-A. Um, and I just use the cash flow forecast piece in there. there. There's other reporting, but I love the cash flow forecasting, which means you don't have to use an Excel spreadsheet if you're not comfortable with Excel. Mm -hmm. Most of the data just pulls from your accounting system. So it's a great add-on for uh, Zero or for Myob, um, QB Online, I think too. And then the other one that I love for dashboards at the moment, and you can use it for financial or non-financial. There's two actually, but the one that most business owners prefer is Fathom HQ, which is um, just a, a cloud piece of software that you can attach really easy with Zero. Mm -hmm. Pretty easy with MyOb too. Awesome. Um, but you can tailor those so that you can see your trends. So that just takes all the crunch work out of it. So really business owners have no excuse for not looking at their financials. Sure. And, the other and one, I, I'd I always like get shoeboxed as well. Yeah. Managing receipts and paperwork. I love that. Yeah. And do you know what? With shoeboxed, I, I, you're in a really good workflow with that. I find um, if business owners are disciplined, it's beautiful. If they're not, then what happens is they get behind with their weekly um, bookkeeping. Yeah. And so it's awesome if you can be disciplined and use it, it's a great tool. Yeah, those um, those tools for me like have just changed. You know, they, there can be no excuses. They've changed into you know, the whole context of looking at your financial reports in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really ties into business growth too, right? Because if you grow a business that's not actually profitable, then you are going to be losing more money. Or if it has a negative cash flow cycle, or there's negative cash flow, then it's going to chew the money in the bank or you're going to need to put more money into it. So without those numbers really form the foundation of any growth or anything you're doing online otherwise. like Spot on. And you've led right into one of the best ways to check whether growth is worthwhile is to trend um, what we call the break-even gap. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a term that we use. It's called the busy fool syndrome. And so if you look at the break-even gap over a period of time and that break-even gap is um, decreasing, then it means you're doing way more work than you're earning profit and you really have to question whether it's worth growing. So the idea is when you grow, you want to maximise that break-even gap, which means that you're making, you know, really reasonable profit. So ideally that gap, you know, from the first day you're in business right until you know your 10th year in business never diminishes that's obviously not the reality as you grow it definitely you know it's, it it, it um, diminishes and then increases but the idea is that we always keep our eye on that or mm -hmm. eye on the pie and we never want to get to the busy fool syndrome hmm. have you guys seen that 
No, first I've heard of that. No, I, okay. I understand the concept. I you know, have a different way of framing it in my mind, but yeah. yeah. So sometimes I'll I am a busy you. fool. That's that is an issue. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll I think everyone's a busy fool. I'll send you a copy. Cool. It's just a visual. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's that's very great. cool. Cool. Now we've been talking, guys, for an hour and ten minutes. So. What else do we think we can get across in this space of time that's important <laughs> before we Victoria let Lisa go? <laughs> um, do you know, one of the things, if you want to talk about it, is how do you grow? We could talk about that in terms of what yes. needs to be in an action plan. Yep, yep. Yes. go for it. I love uh, I, that diagram that you had in your book that I use all the time and our model of online marketing is actually based around that. So that's a good idea. Let's talk about that. So you're talking about the five ways? The five ways, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know this one. I don't think I've seen this. You have, have you done this in workshops or anything, Lisa, or is this something that the five ways? No, uh, it's actually a financial model. And I so that's a base level model that we definitely talk about um, in business. And then I'll, I'll tell you the formula, Ed. You will have heard of it. So basically, it's leads by conversion rate equals customers. Yeah. Um, by average number of or average dollar sales, by the number of uh, transactions that they would buy from you in a year mm -hmm. equals sales. Okay. Minus, minus cost of sales equals profit. So that formula is a base level formula that we use to teach business owners, you know, the, the importance of every one of those components. But the five key things we keep our eyes on are the number of leads. So for me, that's your reach. How well you convert, which you guys are familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, the average dollar sale, uh, the repeat transactions, which for me is frequency, and frequency is pretty much set for each product and service, and then the cost of doing business. So, when we talk about cost, we look at the the variable costs related to um, a direct sale or, or or you know direct service provision. So anything that we would on charge to a client. Um, or is part of our cost of sales, and then our overhead, so what it costs us to run our office and our business. So that's largely, you know, rent, insurances, salaries, wages, and on costs, those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's our base level formula. And I guess that's one of the fundament fundamental formulas that every business owner has to get their head around. And then we step sort of on from that when we talk about growing a business and we talk about um, the components or the attributes or the key competencies that are unique to a, to a particular business that you then focus on in terms of your action plan to cement your position in a, in a uh, marketplace. So let's just say, you know, if, if we were online marketers, then your positioning is pretty much going to be around um, a particular um, group of service offerings. So you might have three or four, four service offerings and to roll out those service offerings, you're going to have three to five core competencies or, or, or attributes that mean when you roll out those services, you're really good at what you do. 
And so really growing a business is about growing those core competencies or those attributes. And most business owners can't identify them. So we work with that five ways formula and then the business model of um, core competencies basically to grow businesses. Mm, great. And is that different to yeah. USP or that's really the bit that feeds into the USP really, right? Do you know what? You're spot on. The USP actually, when I draw it on a whiteboard, I draw the USP or the business purpose in the middle, like in a circle, and then I put the core competencies around that. And those core competencies are what we then um, formulate action plans around. So we're always focusing on strengthening those core competencies so we maintain our USP or our business purpose. Hmm. That's a good approach. I like that. Lots yeah, of gold yeah, nuggets, Lise. <laughs> Lots of gold nuggets. Oh, I'm glad to share. I hope someone out there listening gets some benefit. And ultimately, <laughs> this, this is like a private consult. Excellent. This is. I mean, look, there's nothing ultimately like someone sitting down with you <laughs> to talk about their, you know, their one on one with you about what it is that their business is or their ideas are or what they're doing. So, um, this sort of stuff that we're sharing is fantastic, but ultimately they're not going to get anywhere near the degree of input and outcome uh, um, unless they go and speak to you. So did you, do you do consultations only in person or do you do them over the phone or, or when you're working with workshops. clients, workshops? Um, give us your preferred methods of dealing with people and who your ideal customer is so people who are listening to this can go, mm, there's no point contacting Lisa because I'm not her ideal customer. So we, okay. don't, we don't want scores and scores of people who, who are out there listening to this podcast, all those millions of people, um, coming to you and annoying <laughs> you and wasting your time. So who should contact you and who shouldn't contact you? <laughs> okay. I, I'm a speaker and a drawer. As I've been speaking to you guys this morning, I've been drawing in the air because I'm so used to having a whiteboard in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I do that. So. I do do a lot in person, but I actually do a lot via phone and Skype and internet. So what I tend to do when I'm working via Skype is I'll draw on a notepad and then put it up to the camera. <laughs> and that seems to work equally as well. So I find that most people um, like to meet with me, which, you know, for me works really well too. I'm really happy to meet over the internet as well. Um, I have a number of people who live remotely and so we do work via phone and Skype and then when they're in Perth or when I'm where they are, we'll do a face-to-face -face session. Um, typically, uh, the way that our services are broke up, so we do business coaching, which are two-hour sessions uh, with business owners and really on an as-needed basis. So business owners can call the office, talk to Claire, um, schedule a time. Usually there's a six-week <laughs> lead time. So just I'll put that out there. That That's pretty normal for us because we've been around for so long. Um, uh, but it actually gives business owners time to get their list of questions together. And I always ask for information if I haven't worked with a business before so that I can get a feel for the business before I actually clock on to talk to it, to the, the business owner or the business owners um, for two hours. So we have those two-hour business coaching sessions, which can be in person or via phone or Skype. And then we have a different 
offering for the bigger businesses where we work with the directors and their management teams and they're, they're our consulting services so we have different service levels that we offer each month so that ranges from you know um, strategic plan to management meeting facilitation to HR advisory it could be um, brand strategy and marketing execution um, you know, it, it can also be leadership coaching and mentoring for the, the executive team. So just that's tailored pretty much for each business and that's on a monthly basis. So um, they're, they're typically businesses that, that are five mil turnover or more, um, usually five mil to around 100 mil turnover. And I've got a team of people that help me with that. So I direct it. And then we have providers. And then the third thing that I do is I do a, a, a private advisory. So for business people, and some of those people are in um, government roles, publicly listed companies, um, where they need an external sounding board, a confidential sounding board, somebody that's not in their normal peer group at work, just to test their business ideas on. So a lot of these people will have big teams, they'll be making decisions um, with large amounts of money that perhaps, you know, they've never managed before. And so I do that um, private advisory work as well. So that tends to be more that's actually not, not as structured. It's always based on what the person needs. So I'm, you know, again, it's a bit like the business coaching. If they've got an idea of what they want to talk about, they'll contact me, we'll set up a session. So most of those sessions tend to be about every four to six weeks, unless there's a crisis. And then there might be three sessions in a week. Yeah. And then, so there are three offerings that are pretty core. And then, um, in addition to do that, uh, to that, then I, I, I just deliver workshops for um, other providers that already have their um, workshop material um, prepared. So I'll um, do workshops for, there's a program called Curtain Growth Program or, uh, um, at the Curtin University in WA and also for our small business centre in, in Perth, um, some of their small business workshops. I do the online marketing, the business financials, um, business plan. What else do I do? Social media, uh, which is an intro course. And yeah, and other than that, speaking for special events. So depending on the audience, I can usually put together a, a presentation that's tailored if I've got enough information. So that's pretty fun too. So that's the juice. That's brilliant. And um, yeah, that's... So I'm exhausted just hearing that, Lise. Um, <laughs> I know it is. It is actually a lot yeah, when you I, when I'm, you talk about it like that. I'm feeling very lazy all of a sudden. I don't do it all <laughs> myself. Um, now, the best way to contact you with your new website, which is uh, still at as we speak, probably under development. It's not fully live yet. I think you've got a holding page at this moment for a little ray of sunshine.com.au. We do. Awesome. We do. And what would be the best email? Would it be Lisa at a little ray of sunshine.com.au to get in touch or something no. else? Okay. <laughs> that, scratch that Honest. one. I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> Ed, honestly, you know, that's one of the most interesting things for me is that 10 years in, I actually don't look at email and I don't answer the phone. Okay, so and, anyone listening, don't contact the, Lisa. 
because you're not going to get it. <laughs> Everything she just said, completely. Facts, facts only. Facts yeah, only. facts only. Um, and, and no, do you know what? That's that's one of the rules of actually growing that you need to get out of the daily detail. I've got a fantastic business coordinator, Claire, who is actually our officer of first impressions, and she manages all incoming calls and incoming emails. And so you can um, get to her via email, so to be info at a little ray of sunshine.com.au or by phone 089339 Fantastic. And, and she will she will be the best person to talk to first base because she coordinates all of us and yeah, she knows awesome. exactly what's in my calendar. <laughs> yeah, Claire, Claire's a legend. Yeah. Well see this is this was the yeah. perfect lesson. That in itself was a very, very powerful lesson for anyone listening is um, that you are not the person that everyone wants to contact. Um, and, and that is a really important factor. I mean, that's something we're doing with the new business we're rolling out now. I'm not having my name anywhere on it. <laughs> like I, It's going to be a complete standalone <laughs> business that doesn't mention me. There's no emails to me. I'm not anywhere in it. So, and that is yeah. a wonderful thing to think of because... <laughs> Sometimes we just want to go and hide, it, don't we? It's liberating. And do you know what? Honestly, I am, I'm, I'm, Claire has me scheduled from when I start to when I finish. So I honestly don't look at my laptop more than for an hour a day. She pretty much manages my inbox and tells me who's screaming. <laughs> so we do have, you know, people that are, are in situations. So they're the people that I deal with usually first. Um, we triage everything that comes in. And honestly, I, I don't um, get much of a chance to return calls. So the calls that I do return are for our, um, our consulting clients where we have, you know, a commitment to offer service level agreement. So they're always my priority. And then if I can fit anything else in, I will. But usually at the end of the day, the way that it works is I look at my calendar when I finish my consults and Claire will have added three or four calls that I need to return and I tick them off and then I start the next day and I look at what she's put in my calendar and, and that's pretty much how it works. So if you ask me what I'm doing next week, I honestly can't tell you. <laughs> that is great. Good way to be. Good, very good way to be. So unless there's anything else, Brendan, yeah. um, I, I think what Lisa has uh, shared with us today has been absolutely awesome. Uh, and those who are listening who haven't got that, um, don't go and start a business because you probably shouldn't be in business. Uh, so if you have any more questions, contact us or put a comment. Um, and uh, thank you very, very much, Lisa, for your time. Um, it's Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for all your help in the past with the projects we've worked on. You've been a legend. So anyone who is thinking of using Lisa, you could not get anyone better. So... Uh, make sure you give her a, uh, or send an email through. And, um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And, and, and at some stage in the next 40 years, she may get back to you. Uh, only, only, <laughs> I, Claire I, will always get kidding. back to you. Only kidding. So, uh, thanks again. Thanks, Brendan. It's been thanks, guys. fantastic. And we'll speak to you all on the next episode of the Business Marketing Show. Bye. 
You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com or on iTunes.